Hey, welcome to Peace Talk. If this is your first time, thank you. Uh, if it's not, welcome back. Peace Talk initially started off as just a sit-down solo podcast where I get to just talk to you guys for like an hour. Uh, then I got bored with that, okay? Like that, was, that was great. Uh, but I got bored, so I started having a bunch of guests on, and then I started having a bunch of people on here that I didn't want to talk to. And now, <laughs> I just want to get back to my roots. I want to just have a, a podcast where I just talk to you about certain things, uh, current events, topics, my opinion. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's serious, but at the end of the day, is just me talking to you and I appreciate you being an ear so welcome to Peace Talk When you need mealtime inspiration it's worth Shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply If you want me to read an ad for you or your business, just give me money, okay? I will will say how great your product is. I'll call you a humanitarian. This season, I'm looking to get sponsorship, which just helps take this podcast up another level. Uh, There's a couple of different ways you can do it and a couple of different ways you can reach out to me. So you can go to my email, which is... uh, uh, comedian day 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 at gmail or you can reach out to me through my link tree which is link tr.ee slash day peace comedy uh anything is appreciated everything is appreciated don't forget to laugh today peace uh we back today's episode is about my summer i'm gonna go through some shows that i did this this summer which to be honest with you, was was widely successful. Like where I am right now in my comedy career, that journey is the pinnacle. Like I'm I'm easily at the highest point of doing comedy in the eleven years that I've been doing it. It has a lot to do with a when I'm when I'm talking about on stage, like the material and the content is so vastly different than when I first got on stage. If you listen to some of my early episodes on the podcast, one of the first things, well, in fact, the first thing I ever said on stage was a friend convinced me that I should go on stage. And the first things I should say out of my mouth was ask the crowd, is anybody from Grand Forks, North Dakota? The show was in Minneapolis, uh, Acme Comedy Club to be specific, which is a top comedy club in the country. They have a one of the, the, the greatest open mics uh, of of any club I think that I've ever been to. This is it's an open mic on a Monday and it's packed, right? So I get up, I say anybody from Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, there was a lot of people from Grand Forks, North Dakota. <laughs> Geographically speaking, North Dakota is not too far from Minnesota. A lot of wolves, and then I follow that up by saying "fuck Grand Forks, North Dakota" or "fuck North Dakota." No reason, no joke, no. Yep, that's what I said. So. I remember the early years from time to time. Like I, 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 I'll, I can attest. I have forgotten so many jokes or so much that I used to say on stage. I was one of those comedians that wrote them all down in my notebooks. But what what I would do, which was probably not the greatest idea, 
was I would transfer a notebook. So I would fill a notebook with all of my jokes, ideas, premise, whatever. And then I, I would fill a, fill a notebook from, from cover to cover. And then I would essentially copy the best of the notes from that notebook to the next notebook. And I would just kind of keep doing that. And I would end up tossing the old notebooks. So there was a time where I got, you know, you know, a couple of years in and I would have like, you know, the name of a joke and have no idea, you know, like how it started or how it finished. It it would just, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a great plan. Okay. So, um, I say that to say this lately, what I've been doing is, is really feeling like I have something to say. And at the same point or at the same time, I'm, I'm almost, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to say t- terrified because I, I think that's, that's an over-exaggeration, but I'm very conscious that what I'm saying may not always go as well as I think. But I also admit how important it is to say it. So if you heard my last episode, I talked about going to the Music Man Square, which um, the 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 guy that that's so popular and and you know the child the townhood hero, Meriden Wilson, who had did a lot of fabulous things, famous, uh, put a lot of people on the map, uh, Grammy award winning. I don't know if he's Grammy award winning. I just said that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Tony award winning probably. You know, <laughs> but. Uh, he did blackface in in high school, and uh, the the American hypocrisy, which is a point that I like to bring up from time to time, is how we can you know someone can do a lot of great things and they do one shitty thing, and depending on who that person is, we we love them to death for it and we are willing to forgive, or we hate them and we condemn them, and one of those people. And and we've talked about this topic, I know, to death, is the the infamous slap that happened earlier this year with Chris Rock and Will Smith. And it's the hypocrisy that bothers me. It's it's why I keep bringing it up, because I know the the conversation is very team Will or team Chris. Like he was wrong or don't don't say that about Jada or or people love or hate Jada. A lot of people don't care for her. I don't know why. Like we we have this thing where we like protect black women at all costs. And then we just if they don't do something that is either popular or we don't understand, which I think is really, really what it is, we we go after them. Uh I like Jada, okay? I love a person's transparency. It, I may not always agree with the transparency, but I do love it. Because in that sense, you can only hate them for being them, right? Because I think a lot of times what happens, especially with celebrities, we only get half the story or a quarter of the story or we get what they show us. And the more we see, the more we are able to pull back, the more we judge. And I'd rather be someone that pulls all the curtains back and be like, this is how the fuck I am and here's how I think. And, you know, love me or hate me. This is who I am. And, you know, that's that's all you. And I, I feel like Will and Jada and, and the entanglement and all those other things that, that go on with them and their kids. And 
let them live their life okay <laughs> like they we are just we they are under the the public eye so we we scrutinize these things that they do but uh i just want to say like uh i i what's the word i just want to say like what they do i i was going to i can't think of the word um applaud think of a synonym for applaud so what i've been talking about lately is like well let me start off by saying this uh the calendar is 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 filling up which is the it's it's a beautiful thing to to see and it's been a long time coming i moved to iowa at the in the winter of 2016 which was a terrible idea okay I was in Arizona for six years. I love Arizona. I know it gets super crazy hot and it's the dry heat and a hundred plus temperatures and all of these things, but I absolutely loved it for the most part. And I have, I have very fond memories. And I think that's what life is about. It's about memories and experiences. And, you know, we go through these lives and, you know, we think about past relationships or we, we think about vacations uh, jobs or careers and for me it's always do you have more fond memories or more negative memories um, one of my favorite bosses that I've ever had in my life comes from a job that I absolutely didn't care for <laughs> and I can't go into details right now but maybe I'll talk about my work uh, history on a, on a future episode because I think it'd be really cool to, to talk about um you know, like a conversation, people, you know, ask me like, what's your day job or what did you do before comedy? And I've talked a little bit about that on the podcast, but I think what I'll do is I'll compile my very first job of washing dishes <laughs> at a, at a all you can eat restaurant, Ponderosa in, in De- Detroit. Actually, I think it was Dearborn, Michigan, but uh, absolutely a terrible job. Like you know, the dishes don't stop, bruh. Okay. Like, and then, uh, like you, if you ever been to a all you can eat, like sometimes there'd be like sixty two chicken wing bones, okay, on a plate, or like you have like a plate of dessert and take a bite of, you know, like one bite from everything, and then you you toss the dishes. So it was just absolutely nonstop uh, trash. But we'll we'll see. What I've been able to do is uh, really kind of, I guess, pull back my my integrity which maybe that's what the episode is about and and really kind of cover the idea that when I get off stage, I want to be very clear and I, I want to be very comfortable with what I'm saying. I've always been very conscious, especially when you're black and you're in a rural area or you're in North, you know, Iowa, or just essentially when you're, when you're a presentation in, in the public, Right. Because as I kind of mentioned with, with Will Smith, you get judged, you get, you know, criticized, you know, are all black people like this, are all black comedians like that, so on and so forth. However, lately, I've been doing this thing where I am my number one, you know, audience member and, and, and critic. Like, I'm trying to please myself with what I do on stage first. And... If I don't say these things, I don't think these things get said. And if I don't get them out, which I think is probably the therapeutic 
part of it. I think that's the therapy for me. It's like, this shit needs to be said. And damn it, I guess I got to be the one that says it. And as I was kind of alluding to earlier, like, it's not always a popular decision. And it's very risky. You know, like, especially when you when you do shows and they pay well or, you know, you have opportunities to do other shows, you just don't want to fuck up the bag. Big show that I did was at Ragbri, which was uh, just just this major cyclist event. And uh, I, I got to MC the main stage and bring out to the stage former lead guitarist or one of the former... You got to say A in the contract. <laughs> as I learned, this was such a teachable moment for me in my comedy career as far as contracts, uh, conversations, you know, like the do's and the don'ts, right? Like, I'm just going to share this. Like, in my future, here's what I like. Like, I like to get to a point where I am I have a green room and in my contract, I have all strawberry uh, starbursts, which, hey, bitches, they make it easy now because they sell a bag of it. And I want green M&Ms. Okay, just green. Don't ask me why. Okay, these are just my, these are my dreams. Okay. And I think I want a craft table, but I don't know yet. Uh, but no, Don Felder, uh, A, former lead guitarist for the, the band, the Eagles, got to bring him out on stage, got to bring out the, the 90s band Sugar Ray. Huge moment for me because I, it was just a great exposure opportunity to be in front of that many people for people to see me that knew me and and has has kind of fucked with me for you know with like my comedy career here in north iowa um people who have never seen me it was just one of those moments for me that i'd be like i can point and say that was a good look now if i could be honest with you wasn't a great set there was a lot of behind the scenes that I can't go into. More importantly, I don't think I want to because it's I'm not, it's not that it's boring. It's just um, the the point is one of those, you know, like long story short, like let's not let's not do that. Uh, there was some there was behind the scenes, like backstage things where my time got cut. Like I was supposed to go on at this time and then I was supposed to do and say these things. And then that got changed when 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 it was time I stepped on stage. Uh, the first thing I said, because there was no announcer, like I just walked out cold, was uh, give it up for your host for the entire evening, one of six black people in North Iowa, something like that. And you know, I got my laughs. And then I proceeded to do a set that had a lot of race talk, a lot of race talk. And the reason why was, and, and maybe I didn't realize it at the time, maybe I did, maybe it was uh, subconsciously, was my my time had got cut so i just jumped jokes right so by doing so a lot of the the race stuff got it got it got kept in which now looking back i'm happy that happened like the i don't think i would have i mean i'm sure i would have done things differently but i'm 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 very happy with the results there was a young lady, when I say young, she was old as shit, but she, <laughs> she was sitting next to my wife and she made some comment about, can he say that? There's way more black people here in Iowa or North Iowa. And she didn't realize that she was sitting next to my wife. They had a conversation I'm like, oh, that's my husband. And then there was a the, um, the mother of one of the, um, so, so in order to, 
to to put the whole ragby thing together, you needed a town, right? You needed a, a tremendous amount of volunteers. You need a a great active, uh, you know, member or board, and you know, executive and director and and president and you know, lead of marketing and like just a ton of people and, and a lot of them I had known just throughout my time being here and some were brand new. But one of the one of the ladies that I know, her mom was there and her mom got drunk and her mom was saying a lot of I mean, I wanna say racist stuff, but I think you can boil it down to offensive and stereotypic. They were they were serving ribs at the VIP ten, and she was oh I know how you love ribs and and then she brought up chicken and and you know I posed the question on Facebook does alcohol make white people think that's how they become racist you know what I'm saying like is that is that what it is like if if white people don't drink racism would be would be gone that's a conversation for another time but uh. It was in that moment I was like, I'm glad I talked a lot about race. And I know that makes some people uncomfortable. And I know it gets, you know, <laughs> it's like, why do we got to keep talking about it? Why is it always important? Why is it this? Why is it that? And I realized lately I'm very, I'm a lot more conscious of identifying, hey, I'm a black man in North Iowa. I'm a black comedian. I'm a black this. I'm a black father. I'm a, you know. And, and, and I want people to understand, I never, not once in a day, forget that I'm black in America, but specifically North Iowa. And I think people, and, and, and I don't want to just say white people, but I think a lot of people, uh, maybe, you know, non-minorities, really, that's what I say. They, they, they don't have to think about it. You don't have to think about white privilege you don't have to think about you know if i get pulled over is this it for me am i going to become another hashtag or if i apply for a loan or if i apply for an apartment there was some racist shit going on in mason city a town 45 minutes away or 40 miles away it's not 40 miles like 25 miles but 40 or so minutes away where the realtors would basically be like don't you don't want to buy houses in those areas, right? And and you would think just like, okay, that's not a crazy thing for a realtor to say, right? Like, hey, these are our, you know, nicer pocket area, whatever, whatever the spill is. I'm not a realtor, I don't know. But then it, it got to a point where like, no, nope, the niggas is over there, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, no, they're they're it's heavy Latino, and if you can't speak Spanish, bitches, you don't want to own this house. I'm clearly making a joke and uh again I'm exaggerating a little bit but to a to to a, to a sense this is how that went this is how those conversations would go and you know non-racist people that are house shopping they would come back and tell people like I don't think they're supposed to be able to say that you know what I'm saying? like I don't I don't think I think if someone knew this was their spiel or this was their verbiage this would be an issue issue so I, I I would replay my set that just didn't get the laughs that I wanted. It wasn't it wasn't I didn't get the laughs that I wanted and I wasn't that comfortable on stage 
until the end. You know, like, you know, when, when you're performing on a, on a concert like stage, you know, I'm used to being the center um, and, and really moving about the stage as I as I see fit. But you got all this, you know, thousand dollar equipment on stage. You got to be very careful. You know, there's several microphones and I just didn't have the, the best placement. The jokes just didn't boom, boom, boom. And um, it wasn't until like the end of the set, I started to kind of warm up. And then every time I got on stage after that, I, I, I was feeling it. I say all that. I thought, hey, am I talking too much about race? Am I, you know, saying these things that doesn't necessarily need to be said? Or it's the TED Talk thing where like, uh, am I am I becoming a little too preachy on stage? Like, nigga, just tell jokes. I, I did a show in, in Rochester, Minnesota not too long ago. And, you know, I opened up with a joke or two. And for, for some reason, I found myself talking about reproductive rights. And, you know, there was a moment of silence. You know, and, and I got him back. Like, all right, I'll, now I'll get back to the jokes. But, again, I don't know who's driving this. It could be... You know, my heart, my mind, my conscience, my integrity. But something is telling me you got to be the guy. You have to say these things. And maybe I'm alienating people or maybe I'm turning people away. But I guarantee uh, uh, a lot of more people are fucking with me because of it. So the summer was a it was a crazy summer. I dropped my album May 13th, went number one in Amazon and iTunes. I almost cried, y'all. Like, uh, as misty as my eye could be, at almost one o'clock in the morning, I checked iTunes number one. I beat uh, Louis C.K., which I'm not a fan. You know, that's another conversation. And Bo Burnham, I think I said his name correctly. I've been messing that up. Uh, and that was amazing. That was an amazing accomplishment for me. I, I was on Amazon charts for a very long time, number one. Uh, as the weeks led up, but then to to debut as number one and then also hit iTunes was a huge a huge accomplishment. I did several newspapers, sit down interviews, and it was just a moment of a lot of fucking hard work that paid off, right? Because I'm I'm gonna say this. This might be a little arrogant. I I think there was a great chance. If I knew what I was doing with my first album, I could have hit number one across the boards as well. I just didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to market it. I I put it out on different platforms at different times, right? Because uh, I, I didn't drop the full album when it came out, my first album. In 2020, I dropped like five singles. Then I dropped the complete album later that year on everything except iTunes and then I dropped it out on iTunes like almost a year later so it was just sporadic and I just didn't know what I was doing but I think had I did I would have been number one also and I could be like hey I got two number one albums blah 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 but what I learned about that is wasn't my time I had to learn these steps and that's why this album means so much to me because again all done independent no agent no label no manager it's just me Filming my art and putting it out for people to fuck with or not fuck with. Love or hate. But I did it. And enough people pre-ordered it to push it up on the charts. Not only did that happen, just a lot of great feedback. And again, I know some people don't really like it or didn't care for it. And maybe they'll tell me, maybe they won't. 
don't even matter, okay? It does not matter if you, if, I, I, this is going to sound crazy. It doesn't matter if you hate it or love it. I, I I want you to love it. I want you to like it. But if you hate it, and then I got to respect that, I love it and I'm happy with it, right? Because I think that's, that's, that's the, the true essence of what, what, what I want. I don't want to say all artists are all comedians. That's just what I want. Like, I want to be able to look in the mirror and be happy and in love with that person. I want that for everybody that's listening, right? But if you look in the mirror and someone else sees your reflection and they don't like it as much or they don't want to finger fuck you, I don't know, whatever the case is, that's that's them. Because, you know, the flip side of that coin, some people will see that and be like, this person is beautiful. I, I want to spend the rest of my life with whatever the case is. There's... And sometimes we just get too caught up in the negative. So going back, May 13th, I did an album release because I didn't get a chance to do an album release for the first album uh, because it was a pandemic, which I don't think is actually done yet. However, I did my album release party where I basically just talked about and celebrated the album, got drunk, very drunk, and passed out in the green room like a fucking rock star. Slept there all night. The the venue, Mason City Bruin, are so gracious to me. They let me sleep there. They took good care of me. And it was a great moment. The next weekend, I had been in conversations with this one venue for years, again, to say, hey, we if let us do comedy. It's going to be a great success. They paid me very shitty. And I brought along two young ladies who lived in the town. They did great. Uh, I rocked it, of course. We had an amazing turnout. And the plan was to put them in position so that they can do shows there. But that's just how some venues go. Some venues are like, hey, we want to fuck with you. We don't want to fuck with you. We love comedy, but we don't love it for us. I had a venue. (laughs) I had another venue that I was in talks with. Come to that show. See the success. See how great I did. And still was like, nah, I don't know if I want that nigga here. Okay, (laughs) so... Uh, it just happens. Maybe there's an underline here, but maybe maybe it's just it is what it is. So that was that's kind of closed out May. Uh, I had another show. Again, I'm 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 fire. I'm on I'm I'm still on a high. June rolls around. I go to Nebraska. My family tags along. They're like, if you're going to Nebraska, we want to go. And it actually worked because I was doing a run of shows for a weekend, and I was gonna need places to stay and crash on couches and try to save money, not going to hotels because I wasn't getting paid much for this. This was uh, a weekend of shows that got booked, but before the album had came out, and just so I was steady working. And you know, sometimes that just happens. Sometimes you have uh, a great paid weekend, and then you have not so much, and you just gotta take it with a grain of salt. Like, hey. Maybe if I go, I'll be able to sell merchandise or I'll be able to get people to buy my album. You know, I'll get another future booking. You just got to keep that positive mentality going because otherwise it it can it can really fuck fuck with you. Uh, so I go into this new weekend of shows in this new month and I'm not killing it. OK, my first show, it, we had like I want to say 10 people that might be generous. And I do well, but I'm not I'm not killing it. And then uh, the next night, we had like eight people, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm hosting the show. And again, I'm, I'm doing well, not killing it. And then I close out the weekend in front of a almost sold out crowd. And again, I'm doing well, 
not killing it. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know if I'm overthinking these jokes. I know part of me was like, ooh, I don't want to do stuff from the new album. Do I want to do stuff from the new album? So I was I was really like back and forth. And then another factor was my family were with me. So like all day they would do stuff. They would want to do stuff and go here and go there. And I like to kind of decompress and like get in the zone. So I would basically like clock off from being dad then drive to the venue and be comedian. I just wasn't on. I'm like, maybe it's just this weekend. Nope. Okay. Every single show in the month of June was lukewarm at best, but I got it back. Uh, we, we, August has been, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. July was a strong month for me. July was the month that was like, it was like reconfirming. Like, okay, like we good. Don't worry about it. Like it was, it was an off month, off couple of shows. We good. And now August is red hot. So I just keep thinking about, what is it that I really want to say? What is the point? And if you've been listening to even earlier this year, talked about this being the year of being relentless. And that's just something I'm trying to carry on stage. And sometimes that means saying the things that needs to be said. And sometimes it's, it's doing jokes. Uh, <laughs> I have a favorite joke that, that, that I now tell. It is, it's one of my favorite jokes on the, on the album, uh, peace of mind site B, but, it's 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 one of those jokes that like I, I almost have a full conversation with myself in my mind on stage. Should I do it or should I not? And it's my F Jimmy Walker joke because to be honest with you, the joke is all about just saying F Jimmy Walker. Hence that's the name of the joke on the album. And <laughs> um and I'm, I remember recording the, 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 doing the album, recording the joke. And it's like, oh, there's still more that I want to say. So I started adding on little, little bits to, to the joke to kind of give more of a full context of why I've decided to go around telling this bit. And <laughs> it's not a hilarious bit, right? It's, it's really just a full story in my experience of working with this dude. And, um, the biggest laugh kind of comes at the end where the, I don't even know if I want to tell it because now I want you to go listen to the joke, but, uh, I make, I make a reference to aging and, uh, it's always, it's always like, Ooh, this is, you know, my, my, these crowds that I'm doing these jokes in specifically are predominantly white. And it's like, if I can get them to laugh at this, then I, I know I got them. Because a lot of the a lot of the joke talks about this this underlying you know conversation with race, especially by black people, right? Because there is a responsibility that that again you you just don't expect a native or an Asian to to or any any race to get up and shit on their own people, which you. And what we've grown accustomed to is people getting up and talking, you know, shit and making jokes about their own people. Like, man, black people, y'all got to stop killing each other. Okay, that's not a joke, but, you know. (laughs) But then there's a there's a line. There's a line where what you are saying is detrimental to black people. What you are saying is ammunition for non-black people to use against the rest of us. And so the, it's it's why I don't partake in public conversations where we we are like batting two great black people together. You know, we are um, 
this, that, or the other. I don't like those conversations because when what ends up happening is we got to put someone else, we got to put someone down to put someone up. I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm not okay with that, and I'm I'm good on that. Like I'll pass. So, <laughs> uh, I love telling this joke because it's 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 one of those like <sighs> we'll see how this one goes. And I end the joke with saying "F Jimmy Walker," and that you know typically goes well. But I was doing this show last weekend at a show called Urban Ponderosa, which I I had a huge issue with because I thought they were calling it Urban Ponderosa because I and another black comedian was on the show, and they were calling this that for years. I just didn't pay attention because I'm so woke now. I guess like I'm so conscious. I'm like Urban is that what they're talking about? Because they got niggas, you know. Like I was. I was about to spaz out. Then we showed up and they had shirts like from 2017 and shit like that. Like, okay, I've been doing this for years. My bad. Like, I can admit when I'm wrong sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> look, uh, I've, I've definitely gone over the time that I was expecting to do for this episode. So I, I got it. I'm probably just going to put a pin in it and, and kind of end with. What I was kind of getting to a little bit in the beginning, which is that American hypocrisy in the Chris Rock and the Will Smith. The reason why is because Will Smith recently came out with an apology video that was like five or so minutes long. And he basically just answered some hot button questions. And Chris is still like, I'll talk to him when I want to talk to him or there's no reason to talk to him. That's between them. They're two grown men. And uh, I think the. I think it's, again, we've talked about this. I did an episode about this. Will was wrong. I'm not team Will. I'm not team Chris. I'm team slap because I do believe in this life. Sometimes you got to slap, you got to slap a nigga just to let them know the do's and don'ts, right? Because there are times in our lives where we get disrespected or we get pushed or we get bullied, whatever the case is. And you feel like you got to fight back. Was that the right way to do it? Absolutely no. However, uh, you know, that that's another conversation for, it's, it's not even my conversation really to have. It's just, that's just my opinion and y'all can argue or debate about it. I'm good either way. Like, I, I'm not, I don't have a, a horse in the race. What What is so, what I'm so invested in is the American hypocrisy, right? And what that means is the thing that gets me is after it happened, how everybody came out and was like, oh my goodness, Will Smith is so violent and we don't like this and black on black crime and whatever the case is, like whatever the, 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 what do you call it? Whatever the, the talking points were and that the mainstream media was trying to push the, that agenda of, I can't believe, you know, Will Smith, whatever that was, I had a problem with it. And I've been doing this on stage and I'll do a little bit of it for you right now to close out this episode. And the the concept is, hey, um, America loves violence. Okay, let's just be very clear about that. It's 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 deeply embedded into our fiber, right? This country is team violence. Okay, <laughs> if we had to break it down, America loves it. Uh, and then I kind of go through a bit where I just talk about some of the examples of our history. You know, the war on drugs and. Um, the war on mass destructions and the weapons of mass destruction and black wall street and obviously slavery. And I talk about all the, all the violence that we, we know also well that we either support or rally behind or that we once thought was okay. Not, you know, and the point that I always try to make is 
America wasn't angry that Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. America wasn't angry with the slap. They were angry with who was doing the slapping. If America, and to be honest, specifically white America, if they're not at the forward front of the violence, leading it, leading the charge, then it's an issue. Maybe that January 6th conversation is a a great example, right? Um, You know, you, you, you murder George Floyd, people burn down buildings and targets, and oh my goodness, look at these animals. But then... You know, I don't like the election results, right? Like, let's be clear. These are not the same things, people. Okay, like this is, this, the contrast is vastly different, okay? Right? You smoking, you smoking California grass, you smoking parsley. These are very different. They may look the same to the naked eye, to a kid that doesn't know the difference, but not to me. I see the difference. I see what we're doing. I see what you're trying to do. No, sir, I would not buy the product that you're selling. That is the American hypocrisy. And we see it a lot. And sometimes we don't get to break down the context. And sometimes we don't have to, we don't get to have these conversations. But all I got to say is keep your eyes open, people, because this shit happens way too much, way too much, way too often. And that's the episode. I'll talk to you next Monday. I know this episode was all over the place. Hopefully you got some good stuff out of it. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. I would say I had a great summer. Still got some great shows on the docket. You can see my full schedule on my link tree. So check it out. Come to a show if you can. I'll be back in Arizona. That's on the docket. Uh, Austin, Texas. uh, Minnesota. So catch me when... Oh, Indiana. Catch me when you can because I'm working. Getting back to what I'm getting back to, and I'm trying to make sure that I'm very conscious of the things that I say on stage and sometimes off stage, but more importantly, on stage and and tell jokes too. So <laughs> that's the episode. I'll see you next Monday. Peace. Des Moines, Iowa. How the fuck your spirit doing? How y'all? And I can still remember my first winter in Minnesota. It was white as the eyes can see, and there was some snow there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hey, that was a comedy teaser from my second comedy album, Peace of Mind, Side B, which went number one on iTunes and Amazon.com for not only new comedy release album, but also bestseller. I'm a bestseller. Okay, it's crazy. Uh, If you haven't listened to it, please check it out. It is streaming on everything that you can think of, wherever you listen to your digital music. And if you still want to purchase the album, you can go through iTunes, Amazon, and also Bandcamp. Uh, Please support me. And mama, I made it.